I'm Christine Bentley in studio with Kate Wheeler, and you are listening to What She Said on 105.9 The Region. Today's show is brought to you by Meridian Credit Union, expecting more for your money. That's wealth esteem. Hope you're having a great Mother's Day weekend. Well, both my children are in other cities, and as is my mother. So I am... I am Mother's Day free on, on all angles tomorrow, but I am going out with other members of my family for brunch. Now, if popping a pill could make you smarter, Christine, and increase your memory, would you take it? Mm, likely. Likely? Well, across the globe, including right here in Canada, university students, lawyers, doctors, entrepreneurs are taking drugs to sharpen their focus and help them get an edge in an increasingly competitive society. Toronto-based director Anne Shin will be here to tell us about her new documentary. It's called Smart Drugs. It explores the highly controversial industry of biohacking um, and cognitive enhancement supplements, otherwise known as smart drugs or nootropics. And, of course, we really want to know how far people are really willing to go to improve themselves. Well, speaking of improving yourself, the thought of a career change can be somewhat scary, but making that transition is entirely possible and doesn't necessarily require a giant leap to get there. Award-winning writer and film producer Joanna Sanis was once an office coordinator and research writer when she decided that wasn't what she wanted to do anymore. Well, she actually never did. So she completed the summer film school intensive program at the Chang School of Continuing Education at Ryerson. And she's going to tell us about the experience. And we know summer intensive courses are a great way to learn soft skills and boost career prospects without having to stop work altogether. Okay, get this. According to a recent survey conducted by Interact, 71% of Canadian entrepreneurs spend valuable hours chasing payments because they're not getting paid on time, leaving them less time to grow their business. So Lauren McPhillips is going to be here with tips for how micro-businesses can manage late payments for better cash flow. And I do love good cash flow. (laughs) We're also going to have a chat with the CEO of the Schizophrenia Society of Ontario about why it is so important for people with mental illness to feel support in the community that they live in. SSO is celebrating their 40th anniversary this year. And if you didn't know, May 24th is National Schizophrenia and Psychosis Awareness Day. Anne Brody will be here for Saturday Night at the Movies, and we're going to talk to country music artist Kelsey Maine. She's one of eight semifinalists competing for a chance to win $25,000 at an international SOCAN songwriting camp. And she needs your help. So stay tuned and don't forget to follow us on social media at What She Said Talk and visit our website at whatshesaidtalk.com where you can watch videos, read blogs, and download our Apple podcast. Christine Bentley and Kate Wheeler will be right back. To contact the show, go to whatshesaidtalk.com. I just spoke to a Meridian advisor about variable versus fixed rate mortgages, and they told me that... Variable rates change based on Meridian's prime rate. Exactly. And that... You could pay your mortgage down faster if Meridian's prime rate goes down. How did you know? I spoke with an advisor, too. So, let's get a... a Meridian five-year variable rate mortgage at 2.90%. Totally. Apply today at meridianmortgages.ca or visit a Meridian branch. Rates subject to change without notice. Some restrictions apply. 2.90% APR assumes the typical example of a new mortgage. What she said. 
Now back to What She Said with Christine Bentley and Kate Wheeler. Started 40 years ago by Bill and Dorothy Jeffries, the then Ontario Friends of Schizophrenics was launched in the basement of a church in Oakville because as caregivers, they found the level of support in their community was just not enough. While additional support for caregivers and those living with serious mental illnesses is still something that can be improved in today's healthcare system, the Schizophrenia Society of Ontario has made major strides in improving the lives of nearly 10,000 Ontarians annually since its inception in 1979. So joining us now in studio to tell us more about it is SSO CEO Mary Alberti. Welcome to What She Said. Thank you. So a lot can change in 40 years, Mm -hmm. Mary, and this and the story of evolution and growth is one SSO is looking to share as you mark your 40th anniversary. Um, now, National Schizophrenia and Psychosis Awareness Day is coming up May 24th. So tell us about some of SSO's programs and services that that help create more supportive communities. Absolutely. It's a pleasure to be here as well. I love the opportunity to get to talk about our organization and what we do. So the Schizophrenia Society of Ontario serves Ontario and people who live in Ontario. And our organization provides direct services to people who are living with schizophrenia as well as family members. A main area of work that we are involved with as well is early identification with youth. So the onset of schizophrenia usually starts between the ages of 15 and 24. And the earlier that you can get help and support, the better your outcomes are going to be. Can you can you back up a little bit and tell us exactly what schizophrenia is, how mm-hmm. it's described? Because it seems to have changed over the last 40 years. It has changed. We know more about mental illness in general, and in particularly about schizophrenia. So schizophrenia as a diagnosis often is associated with people who may live with hallucinations or delusions. We often say it's a break from reality. One of the new terminologies that we've been using in recent years, about 15 years now, is the word psychosis. Mm -hmm. And psychosis is described really is that particular break from reality. So oftentimes we may see symptoms of psychosis in postpartum depression issues. We may see it in issues of dementia. And oftentimes in young people, we see it in the beginning stages of what may turn into be a variety of mental illnesses or particularly schizophrenia. So what we've learned because of knowing that we can intervene earlier and help people have the best outcomes possible, we are focusing now more on psychosis and early intervention. Well, research on mental health treatment and services is fairly abundant, but applying research to real-world solutions can take a long time. So is that why the Institute for Advancements in Mental Health was created last year? I guess it's called I am. Yes. So I am, the Institute for Advancements in Mental Health, was inspired by exactly that. And as we have been developing our programs for I am, one of the big things we have noticed is that when we look across the health sector or we look across sectors like technology, we see our world and innovation and advancements going so quickly. We have not seen that in mental health. So I am is a bit of a disruptor in the system. 
because we would like to inspire across Canada entrepreneurs, innovators, researchers to actually look at how we can develop better solutions for all of us in the mental health space. In particularly, what I am does is really works with people asking people what do they need, what are the supports that they need, and intimately involving people in the design of these supports. So that's what we're very excited about because the mental health system has not traditionally worked that way. Well, it's really quite surprising because more than a million Canadians live with psychosis, Mm -hmm. something I did not know. Mm -hmm. And 140,000 Ontarians have schizophrenia. What changes have you noticed in your time leading the organization? We've really seen advancements in the area of treatment modalities. So when I started in the organization, which was about 18 years ago, we didn't have the capacity to understand mental illness in general the way we do today, and particularly schizophrenia. So those advancements that we've seen, that we have better treatment modalities, and we've also learned that it's not just medication. I mean, I think we as Canadians and people living in Ontario, when we hear the word schizophrenia or psychosis, we automatically assume some fear associated with it. We don't really understand what it is. And we just think it's got to be treated with medication. We do say a cornerstone of treatment is medication. However, we have now learned why the illness, there's an onset to this illness. We know more than we've ever known before. An example of that is that it can be trauma-induced, which I would say 25, 30 years ago, that didn't even enter into our understanding about the illness. That's what I was just going to ask, whether it is genetic, whether it's it's a result of some something that happens mm-hmm. to you. Do, you. do we know? Or we, it could be all and everything. We don't know exactly. So what we know are what are some of those precursors. So yes, you're absolutely right. It could be genetics. It could be trauma or stress. It could be something that is happening biologically in the brain. We know about dopamine and different chemicals in the brain. But do we know and can we isolate the single cause? Not yet. And that's why the ongoing research and advancements in the field are so important. We would say there needs to be more dedicated resources in understanding this. And that is is also why we've created I Am. Because while we are looking for those advancements, a key thing here is really improving people's quality of life. Now, um, SSO is marking National Schizophrenia and Psychosis Awareness Day. That's on May 24th with a special Mm -hmm. event. So tell us a little bit about that. So annually, we, we are very excited about this day because it gives us the opportunity to increase awareness in communities and also to reach out to people who may not know about us. It's a way of informing people that if they need help, they can come to the organization and receive any of the help that they may need. So through that, our, our day will be marked by the CN Tower being lit up, Niagara Falls being lit up. Purple and green. Purple there and green. Purple and green and Toronto sign also being lit up. So it's a way of recognizing and honoring people who live with schizophrenia and psychosis and family members who oftentimes don't have that recognition, but also by reaching out to the general public to let them know about schizophrenia and psychosis, about the organization, and if they need any support or assistance, we're here for them. 
why is it important for people with a mental illness to, to feel support in the community where they live? It's important because the communities where we live is what surrounds us, and that's where we as individuals have our social social functions. That's where we as individuals relate. Oftentimes, communities where we live is where our families and friends are. And that is why it's so important to be able to offer services locally. Now, being the Schizophrenia Society, we offer services across the province through our Ask the Expert phone line. And that's your initial point of contact. So no matter where you are in Ontario or even Canada, we are there to help and support you. If you you were a parent and you were were a parent, could you call in and say, I'm I'm concerned about my child, I'm seeing... Some symptoms, does it? Absolutely. If you are a parent and you're seeing some signs that concern you, we're not saying that it is a mental illness or schizophrenia and psychosis. We are saying that it's a great first step to take because that's where we can help you. And most recently, I must say, a lot of the calls that have been coming into our office are from parents whose young people have developed drug-induced psychosis and are very concerned about some of our new cannabis laws and cannabis legislation. So we are seeing a definite increase in correlation there. And that's interesting. Well, so the so the resources really so people can just where would they go if you you say you have a helpline where can they go to get your directory of services that are offered? The best place to go is to our website, which mm-hmm. is uh, schizophrenia.on.ca. Okay. All of our resources are listed there. All of the services we provide, the direct contact phone numbers. You can also email us. So if you're not quite ready to pick up mm-hmm. the phone, feel free to send an email. Uh, And of course, everything is confidential and we are just there to help you. Well, I, I, yeah, because it would take a while to just remember how to spell schizophrenia. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, Mary Alberti, thank you so much for coming in and You're telling welcome. us about this and good luck. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you so much to both of you. What She Said with Christine Bentley and Kate Wheeler will be right back. Let me tell you about my friend Alfred. Alfred has truly revolutionized dry cleaning in the GTA. You see, we're all busy. Some may even say too busy. And Alfred's laundry list of services are here to help. They include wash and fold, dry cleaning, alterations, as well as shoe cleaning and repairs. Alfred takes care of it all. Simply drop your garments off with your concierge or at any Penguin pickup location in the GTA, and Alfred will take care of the rest. Learn more today at alfredservice.com or through the free Alfred Service app. Sign up today and get a first-time discount by entering the promo code What She Said. Looking for a better brunch? We found it for you at Draco Restaurant, inside the spectacular brand new Toronto Marriott Markham on Enterprise Boulevard. All your delicious brunch favorites, plus signature cocktails, every Sunday from 10 till 2. Take our word for it, you'll love the space and you'll love the food. It's easy to reserve now on opentable.ca or call 905-489-1400. Elevate your brunch Sundays at Draco. What she said. 
She's powerful, wonderful, honest and lovable. Now back to what she said with Christine Bentley and Kate Wheeler. If popping a pill could make you smarter and increase your memory, would you take it? Across the globe, including right here in Canada, university students, lawyers, doctors, and entrepreneurs are taking drugs to sharpen their focus and help them to get an edge in an increasingly competitive society. Joining us now is Toronto-based director Ann Shin, who is here to tell us about her new documentary called Smart Drugs. It airs on the documentary channel this Sunday, May 12th. Welcome to What She Said, Ann. Oh, thanks for having me on. Now, Smart Drugs explores the highly controversial industry of biohacking and cognitive enhancement supplements, otherwise known as smart drugs or nootropics. So tell us, what exactly is biohacking? Well, it's when you do something to intervene with your body uh, to better your mind or improve the performance of your body. And so it could include taking supplements or drugs. It could include uh, changing your lifestyle. It could include, you know, getting technological implants and things like that. So there's different um, sections of biohacking. And the term comes from like what computer enthusiasts would Mm -hmm. use, like hacking, like hackers, which is like to disrupt your body. Uh, technological implants. Mm. That's There's all kinds of in, stuff going on. Yeah. I mean, that, yeah. that, the, the documentary follows futurist Nick Badminton who gives speeches all around the world and he talks to all kinds of people. He, uh, he travels a lot. Yeah. Um, we see him. That's one of his problems, mm-hmm. right? Because he travels, I think, 50, 50 weeks of the year. He's on a plane. Lots of different time zones, insomnia, all kinds of things. Um, so this follows him as he travels from Silicon Valley to Toronto and Vancouver uh, to meet the entrepreneurs, doctors, and biohackers behind the movement, all the while pushing his mind and body to the limits for the promise of a smarter and more productive life. So where did the original idea come and how did you connect with with Nick? So a colleague of mine, uh, Melanie Horkin, and I started, you know, noticing that there was this trend. There were some articles about it. I had a graphic designer who was doing it as well, taking supplements. So we looked into it and realized, wow, like, 25% of university students are doing this. This is crazy. Uh, And we we started developing a doc and then met with Nick Badminton, who's this futurist and who had been inserting a a computer chip into his palm. We thought, this guy is, you know, he'll do anything. We're curious what he thinks about biohacking. And it turns out he had taken some herbal supplements for, you know, cognitive enhancement, but he hadn't tried some of the other drugs that are out there and on the market and was interested in. So we're like... Let's follow you. And that's how we all started on this documentary. Now, tell us about the process. Was it hard to get people to talk about this? It wasn't hard to get people to talk about it at all because there's a a growing industry, you know, largely out of Silicon Valley and San Francisco, but also in New York and other city centers. So there's supplement companies now um, and different kinds of, you know, companies and mindware um, accessories developed for people who want to biohack. Mm-hmm. So lots of people talked about it, but they, those who are into LSD microdosing, there were a few who wanted to talk on, on air or on on the record because it's still illegal. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, um, and that goes back a long way. Although I think, uh, <laughs> I think that Larry, was macrodosing in the seventies. In the seventies, <laughs> but I mean, when we go back, I mean, we we talk about um, the, the nootropics and and the supplements. I mean, yeah. lots of people are taking lots of vitamins. Yes, um, and and all of them seem to be all of these supplements. What, what's the one with M? Mefandafil. Mef- 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 
Modafinil. Modafinil. That yes. was it. Yeah. Um, that was the one that Nick seemed to really say gave him a real rush and really kept him going. But but then he was also coming down, like coming yeah. down off yeah. a trip. And he, in the end, didn't didn't like it much. No. Um, I think different kinds of uh, these, you know, smart drugs will give different effects. And some of them have amphetamines in them, so they'll keep you awake or other reasons why they'll keep you awake. And modafinil definitely kept him up. And it, what he found he was doing was he was relying on them too much. And because of his travel, he was just not sleeping. Mm -hmm. And he was just wrecked. And that's what happens sometimes with, let's say, developers and startup companies where they need to use modafinil or another smart drug to keep going for weeks on end. They might crash after, you know, six weeks and just hole up for five days and sleep. Mm. So, I mean, the doctor that he went to see, Molly, yes. I think, um, she was interested in she, she, many doctors don't know anything about neutrons. Exactly. Yeah. Um, she did. Yeah. And she ran a gamut of tests on him, blood tests, urine tests, the whole the whole and, and said, maybe you just need to back off and go back to basics and improve your exercise and improve the way you eat and improve this. Because I'm watching the documentary and I'm thinking, oh, this is good. I need to be creative. I need to come up with story ideas. I need to really push myself. Maybe I should look into this. But in the end, I'm thinking, maybe I just need to, to know what I always do. And Christine, you'll be happy to know that when it came to fasting and meditation, he said, hashtag meditation, hashtag BS. <laughs> so yeah. he's, because Christine doesn't doesn't buy it either. She's well, like, go, I, go, go all but the time. It, yeah, it, it stresses me, Medi thinking about nothing. So, but um, what, was there anything about this that scared you or... What scared me was whether we're losing touch about our, of our, mm. with our bodies. And I think that's what Dr. Molly was bringing yeah. to Nick's attention. Like you can take these supplements and drugs to kind of heighten your performance for a certain amount of time. But it's not like you get exponentially, you know, or Ill limitless amounts of new energy and, and cognitive well, power. Limitless. There's exactly. That, that, that film. We, exactly. we, we saw, we saw the, uh, about the, the potential of technology yeah. in that. But, I mean, it, it did seem to me that the end of the documentary was interesting. But, yeah, probably, no, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to venture down that path until, until I think that, what well, we say, the medical community is more aware of different side effects because different drugs affect different people. Yep. And we don't know long-term effects with a lot of these supplements. And a lot of these drugs are unregulated or they're off-label use, so kind of illegal use of prescription drugs. Well, where are the people that make the nootropics? Where are they getting their supply, their base supply from? Uh, from China, from India, from different countries. Uh, they can get it and formulate their formulations for each kind of supplement or or drug. So they're buying research drugs online and then creating a different drug. Um, they're kind of buying white label drugs, like that. You can get different kinds of modafinil. Like it, it's a it's a trade name, but there's different formulations. So how do you know players. as a customer what you're getting? That's exactly the question that everyone should think about. Because if you're ordering these drugs on uh, online, which a lot of people do, you just don't know where they're being sourced. And, mm -hmm. you know, th it's not being regulated. The manufacture of these drugs are not regulated. So what does it say about our society that people want to do this? Well, I think, you know, 
you asked a great question off the top, like what is biohacking? And the fact that it comes from like a term we use around computers is really the thing that kind of sends off alarm bells for me. Like we are starting to think of our minds and our bodies as computers, as if we're like machines. Yeah, as if we're like a phone or a computer that we need to upgrade with, you know, get the latest mm-hmm. iOS or DOS upgrade. And that we have to take drugs to do that is um, is a concerning, you know, imperative. Like it's, I, I feel like people shouldn't feel the need, but a lot do. Were you surprised at the number of people uh, who are willing to go to great lengths to um, improve themselves or f- thinking they're improving themselves? I was surprised at how prevalent it is. But, you know, I have to admit, like when I was in university, I took wake-ups, caffeine Mm -hmm. pills to get through. So I can understand like cramming time or if you're a professional, you've got to present or something, you might want that extra boost. So this is kind of a grade up from Red Bull, isn't it? Yeah, it's 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 several grades up from Red Bull for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then, uh, with a lot of a lot of them, he said, like I felt, I, I felt this great creative rush, and I was really speedy. Some of them put him on edge, and it sounded to me, you know, I think he said, I feel like I've just had four espressos, and I thought, well, then why not just have a caffeine pill if yeah. that's what you're if that's what you're doing? Yeah, he found he didn't like those rushy supplements, but there are other ones where you don't have that caffeine rush, right. but you're focused. I mean, really the thing focused. that can happen is you get so focused that if you happen to be browsing for shoes online you'll you'll just browse for shoes for 10 hours straight you'll get you'll tunnel into that task in an incredible way so you have to be careful okay. if you take it so smart drug airs on the documentary channel on sunday may the 12th at 9 p.m and may 14th at 7 p.m um after it airs on the documentary, are we going to be able uh, – after it airs on the documentary channel, are we going to be able to see it? Yes. It'll be online and we'll let you know where it is because um, it's not being announced yet where, where it'll be online. Okay. And yeah. how do people connect with you and, and find that find that out? There is um, a website, smartdrugsmovie.com. Smartdrugsmovie.com. And mm-hmm. also we're with Fathom Film Group. Mm-hmm. So you can look us up at fathomfilm.ca. Right. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Well, thank you very much, um, Anne Shin. Thanks for having me on. It was great. What she said. What she said with Christine Bentley and Kate Wheeler will be right back. Still being picked on for being picky? Perfect. Meridian's good-to-grow high-interest savings account was made for you. At Meridian, we say be picky. Order that half-calf, half-sweet, no-foam latte with whip. (sighs) Try on your whole closet until your outfit is outstanding. And accept nothing less than 3% interest for four months when you open your first good-to-grow high-interest savings account. Meridian, expecting more for your money. That's wealth esteem. Terms and conditions apply. Now back to What She Said with Christine Bentley and Kate Wheeler. It is time now for Saturday Night at the Movies with our film critic Anne Brody, who joins us in studio. But before we get to the movies, the 67th Eurovision Song Contest takes place May 14th to 18th. And there have been plenty of protests already because it's taking place in Tel Aviv. Now, this 
is a huge uh, music festival song contest. I grew up watching it when I was growing up in England. Not so big never here. Never saw it. Never saw it. Really never heard of it until people like Celine Dion started winning. Uh, it is massive. And as you said, 67 years. Mm-hmm. Incredible. I definitely grew up watching it. (laughs) So a lot of the uh, extreme left wing um, uh, groups around the world, like Sinn Féin and and many that are listed there, one from Australia. Sinn Féin? Sinn Féin. It's okay. (laughs) Ray Fiennes. Uh, (laughs) They are protesting and people like Sharon um, Osborne are coming out in favor of it. But with the recent tensions in, between Israel and Palestine, you've really got to wonder if that's going to be a great showcase for violence. So it's going to be very odd. You can stream it on Omni and you can watch it. Uh, incredible. 41 countries are involved and each singer is uh, given a very, very tight period of time. So it moves fast. But it should be fascinating to watch on a number of levels. This is the first time it's been shown here? I think so. I've yeah. never heard of it being aired here. Okay. I can't wait to hear about palms. Do you know something? I thought it was going to be super silly. It's Diane Keaton in the lead role. She's a Manhattanite who needs to get out of town. She's fed up. She moves to a Carolina retirement home and she's not happy because she's quite the individualist but then she decides she always wanted to be a cheerleader so you know you think eh, whatever it's going to be saccharine and sweet it's going to be predictable mm-hmm. and it is for a while and then boom these women really have to stand up to a lot of things including ageism from cheerleaders against whom they're competing against people in the retirement home to who want to shut them down um and, and they go somewhere completely unexpected. And I went with a bunch of cynical critics to watch this. And when that moment happens, everyone went, <gasps> <laughs> but it's good, clean fun. <laughs> okay. Okay. What about uh, Rafe Fiennes, not Sinn Féin, Sinn Féin? Now you got me doing it. <laughs> Directing and starring in White Crow. Now, this is um, a, a biography about Rudolf Nureyev. That's right. Uh, and Ray Fine speaks Russian in the film, and it was backed with uh, Slovenian money, so he was also made a, an honorary Slovenian um, citizen. So Rudolf Nureyev, as you probably know, grew up in extreme poverty in mm-hmm. Russia, and eventually, after he was, you know, he showed them he was a good dancer. He went to Paris, and famously, a few years later, defected at the airport and became internationally renowned paved the way for ballet to come back, dragged it out of the closet, made way for Mikhail Baryshnikov and all the others. And it's interesting. They show the, they shoot Russia and Eastern European in very gray-blue palettes, and then they go to Paris. It's like, wow. And you can understand. He's just overwhelmed. So it's really interesting. You learn things about him that are quite astonishing. And I mean, he was gay. And they had this, because it was Eastern European, they had only the slightest hint of it when he leans up against his roommate. And his roommate goes, <laughs> that's the only mm. intimation of that. Um, I liked it for all the information. It's not a perfect film. Uh, Liam Neeson executive produced it. So there's a lot of uh, heartthrob power here. Mm-hmm. Even disgraced heartthrobs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, 
<laughs> so now we're talking about the acting, producing, and writing sensation Phoebe Waller-Bridge. Have you seen Fleabag? Did you see it many I, years I ago? I haven't seen Fle- no. Fleabag, but I love Killing Eve. Yes, and she writes that. She writes and stars in Fleabag, and it hasn't been on the air since 2016. So Have that you she seen that, No. Um it's great. It's a Londoner, and she's really bitter and sarcastic, and she's always looking at the camera and giving away her feelings. And it's in a tough spot. She's having dinner with her family, and Olivia Coleman plays her uh, unwelcome uh, girlfriend of her father. And it's really a dysfunctional family. Um, <laughs> I can't even describe how weird it is. And then, she, of course, she makes play a play for the priest, <laughs> and... And then Kristen Scott Thomas makes a play for her. But it's just so beautifully written. And she is hysterical. Honestly, that woman is the most successful, ironic comedian I've ever seen in action. Okay, so that's on Amazon Prime. And then on Netflix, Wine Country, which is uh, women bringing their 50-plus selves uh, to the wine country, including Amy Poehler, Tina Fey, um, all Maya Rudolph there they all head to Napa they I do. can't imagine that that's not going to be yeah. fun <laughs> well it is because you know they're all in high spirits but you know, getting on their buses doing their their very strict itinerary that Amy Poehler set up so you know they have a lot of fun they drink a lot um, and then things to begin to devolve a little bit mm-hmm. uh, but it's full of familiar things women over 50 think about like bangs or no bangs, <laughs> like breathing machines. You know, it is so great in terms okay. of the references to our lives. All right. Well, we have to leave it there. Oh, dear. Yeah, okay. We do, well, we do have this time, but... But everything else is on uh, our website. Whatshesaidtalk.com. Connect with Christine Bentley and Kate Wheeler at whatshesaidtalk.com. Well, goodbye, Winter Blues. The long-awaited sunshine is here, and now could be a good time to freshen up your existing business venture or even start a new side hustle. But as every entrepreneur knows, it's not all fun and games when it comes to running a business. According to a recent survey conducted by Interact, 71% of Canadian entrepreneurs spend valuable hours chasing payments because they are not getting paid on time, leaving them less time to grow their business. Joining us now to talk more about this is Lauren McPhillips, founder of This Renegade Love and the Renegade Sessions. It's a series of workshops designed to support female entrepreneurs. Welcome to the show. Hi, thank you for having me. So talk to us um, about some of the significant implications late payments can have for side hustlers and micro businesses, because I know it's the thing I I hate most is like sending follow up. Here's your invoice. Did you forget? Did it go to your spam file? Like all that kind of thing takes time. Yeah, it takes time. It's very annoying. So I've been doing this now for four years and I run a service-based business. So I'm having to invoice all the time. And it really is one of those things that is just, it's just so annoying to do Mm -hmm. and you feel like you're hassling somebody. Um, So as you said, 71% of uh, those polled in the Interact survey said that they have had to chase clients for money. It takes up time. Mm -hmm. It's, you know, you don't have time to work on your business. Um, So it's just, it's a hassle overall. And I've dealt with this. Many of my friends have dealt with this as well. Um, One of the other things that they found in the survey when they polled uh, micro businesses and solopreneurs like myself is that 58% of them also have had to dip into their personal savings to fund their business simply because clients weren't paying on time. So again, 
this is something I've had to deal with. I did a trip to Australia and didn't get paid on time. So I had to dip into um, my personal savings just to fund my business. So it can just be a really big hassle and something I think that not a lot of people know about that we deal with. So what are some of the tips for how micro businesses can manage those late payments for better cash flow? Yeah, so the first thing I always recommend is having an emergency fund set up that you're paying into, whether it's every every invoice that comes in, every payment that comes in, and setting up that sort of slush fund. And I would say about three months worth of operating costs so that if a client doesn't pay on time, that you're not having to close down operations or it's not impacting your business and the way that it's operating. I'm very lucky that I don't have a ton of overhead costs. But there are some businesses that do. The other small businesses can't afford that. I mean, they're sort of going, you know, until they hit that tipping point. Absolutely. Especially in the first year of business, you're kind of just getting started. So so really setting up that kind of slush fund. And then the other thing that I recommend doing is... um, kind of setting the standard for how you're being paid up front. So setting the the dates that you want to be paid um, and also saying, you know, I'd, I'd prefer to get paid up front um, or 50% and then you pay the rest later. And one of the really great ways that I've changed up my business and how I get paid is I use the Interact e-transfer request money. And this is excellent. I'm so excited about this because basically what you do is you just log into your financial institution um, and you can request, you can send a request to your client to get paid. You can put an invoice number in there. As soon as they get it and they press accept, it's an immediate payment um, and it's tracked. And so they can just send immediately. You're not having to deal with chasing, asking if the check is in the mail or, you know, dealing with wire transfers, which can um, have a lot of fees associated with them. So just a really simple way on I both ends. I didn't even know you could do that. It's so simple. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's really great. And I think not a lot of people know about it. Um, it's just something that I recently did in my business within the past year. And what happens if people don't hit the accept button? Then you can also send uh, follow-ups within that. So, um, you're, But you're automating it through the system and you're not having to type out emails um, from your personal account. So, Ooh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That sounds good. Yeah, it's excellent. A steady cash flow is important. Mm-hmm. Okay? Now, you're saying that you're asking clients to pay 50% up front. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering how, you know, a lot of people think, well, then it's 100% markup. I've paid the 50%. I've covered her costs. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll just ignore it. Like, what do you do about people that don't pay months later, six months, 10 months later? Do you I- s- I've definitely had those situations before where I've had to follow up for six months. It does get to the point where you sometimes have to say, you know, if if this isn't paid, I'll have to take legal action. It has never come to that point for me, Mm -hmm. luckily. Um, But it it does get to that point where it is annoying and it it creates just a really bad relationship um, between you and the client. You never want it to get to that point. Um, But sometimes it does does get to that. But that's why I do say um, requesting 50% up front or if you can, 100% and just putting that standard um, in place yourself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because for many small businesses, I suppose pursuing it in court mm-hmm. is um, takes up time and money. It does. Although I will say it does um, it does put the wheels in motion for sure if you say that you're that you'd have to pursue legal action. So yeah. So while while we while we've got you here, tell us a little bit about uh, the Renegade sessions, the workshops. Right. So this Renegade Love itself is my blog, and and it's a platform where I talk a lot about female entrepreneurship and, and how to build your business. Um, but the Renegade sessions is something that I started last year, and I've run two rounds of it, and it's a mastermind workshop for female business owners in Toronto, a sort of support group where they can lean on each other, talk to each other about their businesses, and get feedback um, on projects that they have. That's awesome. So mm-hmm. how do people get in touch with? With you for that. So that you can go to my website, um, thisrenegadelove.com or email me at lauren at thisrenegadelove.com. 
And if they'd like to take advantage of what you're suggesting for getting paid, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> where do they find out more about that? Yeah, so they can go to business.interact.ca, um, and that will give all the information on how to set up um, how to set up financially for your business with Interact. Cool. Well, Lauren McPhillips, thank you very much for coming and telling us all about that. Thank you so much for having me. This is great. What She Said with Christine Bentley and Kate Wheeler will be right back. I just spoke to a Meridian advisor about variable versus fixed rate mortgages, and they told me that... Variable rates change based on Meridian's prime rate. Exactly. And that... You could pay your mortgage down faster if Meridian's prime rate goes down. How did you know? I spoke with an advisor, too. So let's get a... a Meridian 5-year variable rate mortgage at 2.90%. Totally. Apply today at meridianmortgages.ca or visit a Meridian branch. Rates subject to change without notice. Some restrictions apply. 2.90% APR assumes the typical example of a new mortgage. Fear of missing out? FOMO flies out the door when you listen to Lena. Who knew? I hope everyone will know by the end of this segment. Every time you come in, you have such great news to share with us. Oh, thank you. I love sharing great news. Yes, I want everyone to know about it because it is such a great cause. I almost had tears in my eyes. Yeah. It is phenomenal. OMG. OMG. <laughs> Join What She Said Weekends and find out what lifestyle blogger Lena Almeida is loving. What she said. She's powerful, wonderful, honest and lovable. Now back to What She Said with Christine Bentley and Kate Wheeler. While the thought of a career change can be scary, making that transition is entirely possible and doesn't necessarily require a giant leap to get there. Our next guest is an award-winning writer and film producer who was once an office coordinator and research writer when she decided to completely change gears and do what she always wanted to do, which is work in the film industry. Joanna Sanis, welcome to What She Said. Thank you for having me. Now, a recent survey from Monster Canada found that more than half of working Canadians would opt to pursue a different degree or diploma if they could go back in time and begin their post-secondary schooling again. The challenge is that we don't always know what steps to take to make that change. What motivated you to look into continuing education? Well, I wanted to go into film since I was 10 years old, but later on in high school, I... It just felt so overwhelming and unrealistic. So I did what a lot of people did. I went to university and arbitrarily chose a major and then jumped into the first job that would accept me, which was a receptionist. And then that led into office coordination. And the entire time I knew I wasn't on the right career trajectory for me. So when I saw this summer film intensive, I thought three months learning the basics of filmmaking, nothing overwhelming about that. So I decided to sign up and that was kind of my way of going back in time. But you but you had enjoyed filmmaking before because, as I understand it, you got a VHS. Ooh, <laughs> exciting. Back when you were 10 years old. Yeah, when I was 10 years old, I had a VHS camcorder and I would force my friends and brother to make little horror movies and they were... <laughs> is that your genre yeah. of choice? That is my genre of choice, actually. So it's interesting. I knew it back then. <laughs> so do you think your parents influenced you or do you think people just want to take the safe route? They're scared. I, I think 
anyone with parents who are from sort of the baby boomer generation or who are first or second generation immigrants will understand that they just really want you to be safe. They really want the best for you. And that's why I ended up going to university. I didn't want to go to university, but that was sort of the influence that was uh, on what me. What degree did you end up with? When you I, uh, I studied history at Queens, which was good because the first film that I worked on was uh, a World War II era short film with actually with Academy Award winner Olympia Dukakis. It was about... Not a bad start. Here. No, no, not a bad start. <laughs> and, and it was uh, a true story about uh, Greek Jewish prisoners uh, in Auschwitz-Birkenau. So uh, it helped in that sense, but... But generally speaking, if I could go back in time, I wouldn't have gone to university. I would have just started working immediately or taken an intensive like the one I took because... Well, tell us a little bit about the summer film, yeah, School Intensive. exactly. Well, it's about five days a week, so it's very intensive. Um, and you have... they. It's very hands-on. They give you a camera. You're constantly making films. Not very good films because we're all students, but you learn a lot. You get a very holistic comprehension of the industry. You learn a little bit about every facet of the industry, and that helps a lot, especially in producing and writing, which is where I landed. So how many months was that? It was three months. Three months. Right over the summer. So what, June, July, August? Yeah. Basically, yep, it was summer. a summer intensive. What? Then after that, uh, I first I just started volunteering on film sets and getting that experience and then networking, going to a lot of networking events. And through that, I ended up meeting a producer who took a chance on me and uh, I ended up writing this World War II era short film. And then one thing led to another and we got this Academy Award winner on it. And that opened up a lot of opportunities for me afterwards. So, so going back to the the course, I mean, you said it's five days intensive. Mm -hmm. So then, if school is five days a week, because you were doing in class, I, yes. I understand you can also you could take classes online, or you can do a hybrid of online and in class courses, yep. right, for the intensive. But how are you? You're taking. You must have saved up some money to put away <laughs> to support yourself. I mean, that's that's a lot because I would imagine your weekends were probably spent doing your assignments for for school, right? Yeah, my weekends were mostly spent doing assignments, but at that point I was on uh, a temp agency for uh, receptionists, and uh, so once in a while I would get a substitute receptionist gig, uh, which I would miss school for, but I built really good relationships with my classmates, and we were able to help each other out because a lot of us were in a similar situation, and also I was able to live at home, which saved me a lot uh, of money yes, as well. <laughs> um, but now you ended up running the film hub. At the, Chan, at the Chang School. So you kind of combined some of your past skills with your with your current skills. And you, as you've mentioned, you've produced a few documentary shorts and even wrote and directed the horror film. Uh, yes, and uh, the Film Hub's great. It's at the Chang School, and it basically gives grant money and equipment access and mentorship to film students. So it's been great volunteering to run that. I've, I've enjoyed that a lot. So, so what advice would you have for other women who realize the career they've chosen ultimately isn't what they want to do? Well, if they're like me and what was really pulling them back was fear, I would say that a really good first step would be to take a piece of paper and in forensic detail write down what is the absolute worst thing that could happen if I pursued my dreams. And then after that, write down some steps as to how would you recover if the absolute worst thing would happen. And I guarantee if you look back and you look at that piece of paper, you're going to think, you know, I could handle it. Even if the absolute worst things happen, which it probably won't, I could actually handle it. And if that's the case, then what am I so afraid of? 
did the worst thing happen to you? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, it, no, it it worked out and I'm but I'm was, working uh, out. So the worst thing was doing something you didn't love. Yeah, that basically was it. So I'm I'm really glad that I pivoted for sure. Are your fa- is your family glad? Yeah, they're they're very happy too. They uh, you know, they know I work hard and I've always had side hustles. I've always had part-time jobs, so Hmm. Um, Now, what's coming up next for you? Well, next for me, right now, I'm segment producing a documentary, which I'm actually going to Washington, D.C. for a day on Tuesday to do some interviews for. So that's very interesting. And I'm production manager on a feature length film in the fall. So I'm doing lots of various production work. And I'm also in the process of writing a feature length horror film, which is my ultimate goal, which would be to have a feature length horror film produced. What do you like about horror? You know, it's strange. When I was a kid, uh, often I would go to visit my grandma who lived in Greece. And when she would go to sleep, I would watch TV late at night. And often there were, especially in Greece, there were things on that you're not supposed to watch as a kid. (laughs) And lots of horror films, lots of crude films. And something about peeking behind the curtain and watching something you're not supposed to watch, it's... There's something just so uh, attractive about that. And I kind of, when I watch a horror film, I just feel like I'm a kid again. It's that sense of wonder. And so I, I really enjoy it. So that would be it. the genre that you would pick? Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm interested in various genres, and I could see myself exploring multiple genres in writing and producing. But horror is definitely my favorite genre. And what's your favorite thing to do in a film? Like write it? Writing it, is... Or, or, or... Absolutely. Uh, writing is first and foremost my passion, uh, but producing I enjoy as well. What about the actually filming it? Do you like to be a cinematographer? Is that like which aspect is really turns your crank? Uh, not cinematography, but uh, writing is definitely uh, my top uh, priority in my career and uh, definitely my biggest passion. So, in your mind, when you've written this film and you're seeing it projected up there, who's starring in it? Who's your dream cast? <laughs> hmm. I suppose this is a very controversial pick, but I'd say Nicolas Cage. A lot of people, they... He needs the money. (laughs) (laughs) You know, love him or hate him, he's an experience. So I'm I'm a big Cage fan. It's controversial. People, they either love him or they hate him. But he was in a film, Mandy, recently, which is one of my favorite horror films. And it was Vancouver director Panos Cosmatos. And he was unbelievable in it. It It was such a spectacle of a film. So... Oh, that's exciting. Now, the Chang School at Ryerson University has a number of intensive and fast-track programs, um, and they all provide immersion in a subject full-time. And they range from what, film school, which you did, to business communications. You see a lot of people going going through. Um, and you can learn more at ryerson.ca, then it's forward slash CE. That's continuing education, right? Yeah, Continue. and I definitely recommend the intensives. Actually, my brother took a data science intensive there, and it really helped him and propelled his career forward. Well, we, we, we were threatening to go and learn how to code. Yes, we have been <laughs> to do that for it's a while. It's a good skill to have, yeah. It's a good skill to have. I'm not sure how we would use it, but I, I did actually manage to code a little cash register. That was exciting. That's the only thing I've ever been able to code. I figured I could code that. I'm done. <laughs> That's it. Well, I, you know, all the best uh, to you. And thank you for coming in and telling us about the Chang School for Education. And congratulations on, you know, you're doing great, and that's great, and you're doing what you want to do. Exactly. Thank you. I mean, that's what's the most important is just to do what fulfills you and makes you happy. Well, and also this will inspire hopefully other people to, uh, 
you know, to take sit down step. and take that step, right? Yeah. It's definitely doable and you'll be happier to do it for sure. All right. Thanks for coming in. <laughs> Thank you. What She Said with Christine Bentley and Kate Wheeler will be right back. Still being picked on for being picky? Perfect. Meridian's good-to-grow high-interest savings account was made for you. At Meridian, we say be picky. Order that half-calf, half-sweet, no-foam latte with whip. (sighs) Try on your whole closet until your outfit is outstanding. And accept nothing less than 3% interest for four months when you open your first good-to-grow high-interest savings account. Meridian, expecting more for your money. That's wealth esteem. Terms and conditions apply. Have you met my friend Alfred? He's revolutionized dry cleaning in the GTA. You know, we're all busy. Some may even say too busy. And Alfred's laundry list of services is here to help. Wash and fold, dry cleaning, alterations, as well as shoe cleaning and repairs. Alfred takes care of it all. Simply drop your items with your concierge or at any Penguin pickup location in the GTA, and Alfred will take care of the rest. Learn more at alfredservice.com or through the free Alfred Service app. Sign up today and get a first-time discount by entering the promo code what she said. What she said. She's powerful, wonderful, honest, and lovable. Now back to what she said with Christine Bentley and Kate Wheeler. Artist Kelsey Main from Toronto, and she is one of eight semi-finalists competing for a chance to win $25,000 and an international SOCAN songwriting camp, and she needs your help. So welcome back to What She Said, Kelsey. Thank you so much for having me back. This is exciting. <laughs> Returning for its second year, Sirius XM's Top of the Country is a nationwide search for Canada's next big country music star. And Kelsey, we understand you're the only completely independent artist in the contest. Yes. What does that feel like? Yeah, uh, it's pretty surreal <laughs> to be up. Well, actually, the other artists are my friends. Um, <laughs> so it, it kind of, it's a... Not kind of rooting not, for each yeah, other. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah but um, but yeah, some of them are signed with like Universal Music, and then they have these big teams behind you. But you guys are all I got, so <laughs> so we have to vote. So, okay. yeah. so there, it's online voting, right? Yeah, until um, May seventeenth, Canadians can vote for their favorite artist once a day. So vote, vote early, vote often um, by going to topcountry.seriousxm.ca. Um, we're going to play the song that you submitted in in a minute, but um, but first of all, why don't you tell us what about time is all about? So I came up with the concept. Uh, I always like to have kind of common uh, like sayings mm-hmm. that people say. So as as the title, so about time. You know, you, th- you typically think you know it's about time something happens or something. But I always like to twist things too. So um, so I was thinking about. Uh, I've always viewed 
time as like a currency and the most valuable thing that you can give to someone I think is your time mm, and and so I wanted to kind of express that um, in how you can spend it um, you can spend it you can waste it you can you know you can do all these things with your time but but at the end of the day what you really should do is just spend it with the people that you love so so after we've spent some time voting for you <laughs> at topcountry.seriousxm.ca after that voting is complete the three finalists get to perform before judges at the CCMA's 2019 Country Music Week that's in Calgary it's in Calgary this year, yeah. September, so, right? so even uh, even just the trip out there would be such a godsend to not have to pay for that myself. <laughs> well, the winner receives twenty five thousand yeah. dollars. The songwriting camp in Nashville, the opportunity to perform on stage at a top country music festival, a mentorship, and more. So, so how do you think winning this? would take you help take you to the next level because I know you're getting there. Oh, thank you. Um, well, I mean, just. For me, because I'm completely independent, I think if I were to win this contest against all of these people with labels and things, I mean, it would just be, it would make leaps and bounds for my career. It would be completely game-changing. So. Well, we have our fingers crossed we, yes, until we, May yes. 17th. Christine, where Best are we going? Best of luck and get Thank voting you. people. Topcountry.seriousxm.com. And that is it for what she said this weekend. We'll be back again next Saturday at noon. Thanks for tuning in. But right now, so you know what you're going to be voting on at topcountry.seriousxm.ca, here is About Time by Kelsey Main on 105.9 The Region. Have a great weekend. I love getting rosy. Dressed up when you take me out, but you should know what I'm about. Money can't buy. I'm perfectly fine staying at home between you and I. Every second alone is one we spend. It's about knowing it's worth And putting us first all night oh, The hours we're stealing Minute by minute The whole world can't wait Cause the love I want make Can be rushed to I'm Andrea Askowitz. And I'm Allison Langer. And we are the hosts of Writing Class Radio, a podcast, but we are so much more. We have writing classes. So if you are looking for live online classes where you can join a community, write to a prompt, get feedback, and get better, check out all our classes at writingclassradio.com. And listen to our podcast wherever you get your podcasts and at writingclassradio.com. Hi. 
I'm Connie Teeson, the host of Broadcast Dialogue, the podcast. We focus on Canada and the challenges facing Canadian radio and TV, as well as highlighting those moving the industry forward from podcasting and streaming to new broadcast tech. Check us out at broadcastdialogue.com or your favorite podcast app. Another Sound Off Media Company podcast.